This is GKW. Welcome into another edition of Good Karma Wrestling. I'm Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. No Brian Rowitz. He's off this week. Or maybe we'll just roll him in like JR comes in halfway through Dynamite. I guess you'll have to watch the whole show to find out. And joining us from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, he is covered in barbed wire. He is the one, the only, Jay Hood. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? It's so good to be back on the show again. You can follow us on Twitter at GKW underscore wrestling. And of course, Good Karma Wrestling is on Instagram as well. We have got a lot to talk about. I have some angst. Got some AEW angst. I can't wait for ROH to be back uh, on the scene again. SummerSlam right around the corner. So we got a lot to discuss. Yeah, with SummerSlam right around the corner, let's go ahead and start there. What is your current interest level in SummerSlam? Uh, so right now they have eight matches booked and we're a little over a week away it's going to be the 30th so we're nine days away from SummerSlam in nashville uh we have reigns versus lesnar for the universal uh undisputed universal title mcafee versus corbin uh, lashley versus theory for the u.s title Usos versus the Street Profits for the undisputed tag team championships with special guest referee Jeff Jarrett, which was an interesting decision. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, oh. We have for the SmackDown women's titles, we have Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey, Riddle versus Rollins, a Raw women's championship rematch between Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, and then booked Monday night on Raw, Logan Paul will be taking on The Miz after The Miz initially turned it down, but... The Miz, much like if you've ever seen Back to the Future, if you call someone a chicken, they then have to accept it. So in the WWE, if you say somebody has tiny balls, they then have to accept your challenge, which is how we got Logan Paul versus The Miz in nine days. Well, let's go to Jeff Jarrett since you went there. Jeff Jarrett, the special referee for the Usos and their matchup against the Street Profits. And when that announcement took place by Adam Pierce, we got a special guest referee, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Jarrett. They show the video package, and it went over like a fart in church. And it's like, okay, so you booked someone who is shorter and smaller than the four competitors in the match. Because we all know that Jeff Jarrett is this, whole, is this big guy that is going to want law and order in this matchup. He's only doing it because he's going to be in Nashville. It's the only reason why he's booked, because Bruce Pritchard told Vince, hey, I got an idea. What about Jeff Jarrett, who's in Nashville, won't cost much, He's already busy that weekend. Let him be the referee. And it's kind of like, that didn't resonate at all. If I'm a fan in the stands at that time, I'm thinking, Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, the guy that got beat by China for the Intercontinental Championship? That guy? <laughs> that Jeff Jarrett? Please. Well, and, and they just put him in the Hall of Fame not that long ago. But like, it just didn't make any – I don't understand how this makes any sense for Jeff Jarrett to be the special guest referee here. I, honestly, two weeks ago on Raw, when they had R-Truth come out, like it made more sense to have R-Truth be the special guest referee. I, it just, because he's there. And like, I think you could make it make sense and make R-Truth maybe a little bit more serious versus the comedy character he's been playing for the last five years, which certainly has a role on WWE programming. But like, of all the people to, to pull out of the woodwork, Jeff Jarrett just doesn't, it, it just doesn't, I can't make it make sense. I understand everything you just said, Jay Hood. I understand that you just, you know, oh, yeah, those things make sense. He's in Nashville. He's not going to cost that much. But, like, why? Why is Jeff Jarrett a better option than regular WWE officials? Because the story that they're telling here just doesn't make any sense either. I know they've had the two botched finishes. There's been shoulders up. So that's what's led to complaining. So special guest referee 
uh, Richard Jefferson is better than the regular referee in the in the NBA. Like, oh, these guys messed up. But if we bring in a Hall of Famer, that's how you know. So, like, Triple H, is he going to be? I know Triple H has done wrestling, but, like, is he going to be a special guest referee because he's better than all the other referees that they have? Like, it just doesn't. At the end of the day, I always come back to this, Jay Hood. At the end of the day, I can suspend disbelief pretty far when it comes to pro wrestling. Right. Pretty far. But, like, the fact that some guy who's not around and not really a part of your programming is a better ref than the people that are doing it every week, that just doesn't make sense to me. No, it just is. Listen, guest referees have been part of professional wrestling going back years and years and years ago. It's as old as the hills. Find a guest referee, and that person is supposed to be an enforcer. That's what it's supposed to be someone bigger than life or a celebrity, something like that. Jeff Jarrett does not resonate with today's audience. Oh, look, he's got a podcast, sure. And yes, he does have a legacy. His family's got a legacy in Tennessee, sure. But it just because of the name, it's kind of like, so what's Jeff Jarrett going to do that other officials cannot? I understand the story of like, okay, we need someone else because our referees are screwing up. But I'll tell you what, over the last, I would say, three or four weeks, we've noticed there's been a lot of botches by the officials on purpose. I'm sure part of the Mm storyline. So that's why they have Jeff. But usually it's a bigger than, you know, someone that's that used to being in wrestling, someone that knows how to count to three. You know, someone that uh, that will be able to pop Hollywood, something like that, or, or ESPN. Or, but it just, but it just doesn't ma- make sense when it's Jeff Jarrett, though, because I'm not sure what Jeff can do that, say, Charles Robinson can't. Or it's, or it's somebody who you know is clearly going to be slanted on one side. You know, I, I think of when uh, Mike Tyson was a special guest referee at WrestleMania. You know, you think he's going to be on one side, then he goes to the other side, and you know he he ends up getting involved in the match. Like if Jeff Jarrett gets involved in the match. I honestly don't know what side he would pick or if he's just going to be like a referee and counting three. It just doesn't make sense. I think of when Shawn Michaels was a special guest referee for Undertaker Triple H at WrestleMania. That made sense with the story that they were telling because it was the end of an era thing. It wasn't really the end of an era, but it was a nice little story that they told (laughs) with that WrestleMania match. And, And then, you know, HBK gets involved and he tries to help Triple H get over the Undertaker and get revenge after the Undertaker beat him back-to-back years and essentially ended his career in WWE. I'm pretending, much like Rocky V, the match in Saudi Arabia never happened for Shawn Michaels. Of course. So, but, but those are the, the special guest referees that I think of. Like, and I can make it make sense in my head. These Jeff Jarrett just appearing out of nowhere with no ties to either side, I guess that leaves the impression of impartiality, but I, I just feel like that this was a strikeout. Like, they could have done better. Like, honestly, just... If you're just going to have someone random do it, why not just pay Stone Cold to come up and be a special guest referee again? Try to run back the nostalgia of him giving everyone stunners and drinking Steve Weisers at the end. Like, who, you know, okay, if we're going to do that, then take the biggest swing you can take. He'd be glad to do it. Um, I think that, yes, the guest referee is, is strange, but I think that the bottom line will be at the end of this match, I think this is where we'll get the split. I think this is what happens with Montez Ford and Dawkins at least the beginning of the split, maybe not the split at, at SummerSlam, but there'll be an issue because I think the Usos are going to get over and Montez Ford will look at Dawkins and go, dude, I'm Shawn Michaels, you're Marty Jannetty. And there's going to be the beginning of it because we we have speculated this uh, on this on GKW a number of times. We see Montez Ford, man, and he's getting big. 
20 to 25 pounds of muscle. He looks very impressive. And this is not a shot at Dawkins because Dawkins no. is stepping up his game too. But you could tell that he's getting – that Ford's getting his body tuned up to have a solo run here. And Dawkins had a good match on Monday night. Like, and, and then, obviously, with the story they were telling, the Usos' arm was up. You know, Jimmy's arm was up when they – or shoulder, excuse me, when they ended the match so they could continue the story to get double J, E, double F, J, A, double R, E, double T involved in the match. What else – what are you actually excited for, for SummerSlam? Like, when you look at those eight matches, what are you going, yeah, that's the match that I think is is going to be the one that I'm most excited for? Okay, so Riddle and Rollins are going to steal the show. That's what's going to happen. Riddle and Rollins are going to steal the show because some forget how good Riddle is. Enough with, you know, aside from the whole thing with Randy and Randy being his best friend and he misses him, you know, besides the histrionics, Riddle can go. And we're going to see, I think, a terrific match between the two. We already know that Rollins is as classic as well as a wrestler. So those two will steal the show. I'm also interested, though, in Bianca and Becky to see how this is going to materialize. If you listen to Monday Night Raw and the promo that Bianca and Becky did, Bianca laid it out. It's like, you know, when I was at SummerSlam last year, you embarrassed me. You beat me in less than 30 seconds. Uh, you came out of nowhere and you won. And it made me bad. So now I'm the champion in this situation and you're the challenger. I like the way this has been able to be laid out. You know, sometimes we criticize the creative. I think that they've told a great story between these two. I think they're going to have a terrific match. Yeah, and I, I like the story they've told with Becky as well, where she kind of like hit bottom after she lost that title and had to work her way back, and she felt she was getting screwed, and, and she's had to you know win some matches. She won her feud ultimately with Asuka and has really built momentum coming into the SummerSlam match. Um, you know, I, McAfee versus Corbin, like that's like gonna even though that seems like the least stakes out of all of them, and I know they led SmackDown with it last week. I think that's going to be sneaky good just because at this point, I feel like McAfee is still being underrated a little mm-hmm. bit by the outside, even though we've seen the two matches he did in NXT. We saw him at WrestleMania. Like we know this guy can go and Corbin can sneakily go as well. I think that one kind of has a little bit of potential to me as well, because look, I mean, we already saw Lashley versus theory. It'll be fine. Uh, I'm really curious about Reigns versus Lesnar mm. because we, we talked about, I'm just curious how this is going to play out because we talked about after WrestleMania, how it was, you know, man, that was such a quick match. It was just over like that because typically if Lesnar's going to lose, he's going to lose quickly and get out of there. Like that's just, that's how this run for him. He's gone. He hasn't lost much when he has, it's happened quickly. Sometimes they play it off as a surprise, like when he lost to Goldberg, but I don't see him winning this match. And last man standing implies that it has to be a longer match. So I'm really curious to see how they kind of mash those two things of last man standing being longer, Lesnar's probably not going to win, so it's going to be a shorter match, how those two things kind of mesh together. Like, I'm not intrigued to see, like, the match itself. I'm just curious how they tell that story. Well, let's look at it from this standpoint. If Lesnar wins, do you really want to have two singles heavyweight champions that are part-time. It's for the Universal Championship, is it? It's not, it's not winner-take-all. I believe it's winner-take-all. I think it's for everything. I thought I said Universal Championship. But either way, I, it, either way, we're t- getting a part-time champion out yeah. of this, whether it's Lesnar or Roman Reigns. Reigns has had some house shows. I've not seen Lesnar on any of the house shows. He, he pops up on Raw or SmackDown every now and then. Um, 
But ultimately, the WWE failed in this. We've covered this because they failed. Um, instead of having someone to be able to carry the torch as a heavyweight champion, they didn't do that. What they decided to do is put everything on Reigns. Reigns shows up in certain cities, shows up on television every now and then, and he just kind of goes away. Just like how fans were frustrated with Brock Lesnar. They're like, Brock only shows up for the pay-per-views, only for the big ones. But well, at the same time, you don't build your roster enough to be able to say, here's a top 10, build toward uh, main event matches against Brock. They haven't done that. They just go right back to the same well, Gabe, of, uh, of Reigns versus Lesnar. Well, and it's the same playbook from when Brock was champion because Paul Heyman's around. So then Paul Heyman, and yes, they have the Usos as well. So, you know, the bloodline is being represented on both shows uh, because the, the bloodline was on SmackDown this last week since they have both the tag team champions. I mean, they're on Raw this last week since they're the tag team champions as well. But then you also have Paul Heyman trying to plot in the back. So, like, Reigns is kind of present. They, they try to get away with, okay, Roman Reigns is kind of here because his special counsel is here even though he himself is not in the building tonight, which is the same thing they used to do with Brock Lesnar. And the problem is they've hijacked both championships. And I know we're going to get into this in a little bit because we're going to talk about ROH. We're going to talk about Dynamite last night. And like both the, both these, the major uh, wrestling promotions have championship issues. There are way too many championships, and it's hard to keep track of everything, especially with all the ROH titles floating around in AEW. And WWE has hijacked most of their championships mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, you no, know, like these people gave up whatever life to be a fighter to ultimately try to fight for some of these championships, and they're just hijacking both their championships, the WWE title and the Universal Championship by what they've done with Roman Reigns. And I, I honestly wish, Jay Hood, when you said, oh, it's just for the Universal title, right? Like, I wish, because then Lesnar might actually win, and at least you have the splits, and somebody can, you know, at least somebody might beat one of them, probably Lesnar before Reigns, and we at least have one champion who's around for a while. You know, if Theory cashes in, at least we have a champion who's around on WWE programming. If Theory cashes in, the show's over. I'm talking about our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, cashes in and wins. Cashes in and wins. No, no. Yes, if he cashes in and wins, you sell that shirt as a novelty. <laughs> that good Karma Rusty shirt. We once had a show that was good. It didn't last twenty episodes because Theory became the champion, and we decided enough of the show. No more yeah. good Karma wrestling. Yeah, I don't, to, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that little clown be the heavyweight champion. That's too much too soon. But you know what? With WWE, you just never know. Because, but again, you're, we're here to suspend disbelief. So if Brock can't get it done, Theory can against Roman Reigns. That makes no sense. No sense. Yeah, it, I, I I can't make it make sense either. And I think honestly, he probably holds on to it for a while. And I don't. I, I, we know where they're going from here. They've they've pushed off on SmackDown. Um, because there's probably going to be, I mean, they have eight matches currently. They're going to add to this list. Ultimately, I think Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus is going to end up on SmackDown. They've, they've advertised for it the last two SmackDowns, and then he ends up fighting one of the cronies. I can't imagine he ends up fighting on free television for a chance to fight at the next pay-per-view. That makes sense as a SummerSlam match of Sheamus versus McIntyre. So that'll get added here. And we know McIntyre versus Roman at Clash of the Castle makes sense. 
But it's going to be interesting to see what they do with a part-time champ holding both belts. Don't forget, we had to make this announcement. If you have not heard, Gabe, Brian, and I, we will have a special pop-up GKW Saturday night is the name of the show. GKW Saturday night. We will be on after SummerSlam in Nashville, Tennessee. So once you watch that pay-per-view, come on over right here to your friends at Good Karma Wrestling. We will break down that show for you on a special Good Karma Wrestling Saturday night after SummerSlam. Come right here to YouTube or catch the podcast of our review of SummerSlam. All right, I'm excited to get into the three count, something we do here on GKW each and every week. We hit our top story, and then, because wrestling is one, two, three, to win, well, the three count are the other top three stories that we have. And we begin with number one, Dynamite from last night. What was the biggest surprise? Uh, You had Chris Jericho winning the Barbed Wire Everywhere match. We saw the return of Jungle Boy last night as well. Um, what was your biggest takeaway, J- Jonathan Hood? And I'm excited for this because when I opened up the chat right before we jump, jumped on, you're shaking your head and you're telling me you got takes. So please unleash your dynamite takes from last night. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we won't get to two and three because we're going to be locked in on this for a while. <laughs> I, uh, neophyte booking, last night's show, AEW Dynamite, was the drizzling shits. It, it, it was it was bad. And let me explain why. There's a lot of reasons why. I'll, I'll start off first with um, someone named Cole Carter taking on uh, Ricky Starks for the FTW championship. Okay, who's Cole Carter? Cole I don't Carter, know. Oh, you know, yeah, like, here's the thing. Hey, Gabe, I didn't know either. I didn't know who he was either. So I looked it up, right? So oh, okay. NXT, so an NXT reject who who failed a drug test at NXT and was let go because they failed a drug test and you put him on TV? You put him on TV, why? And here's the other thing too, an NXT guy, he I, apparently he had a couple of matches or maybe one or two matches on AEW Dark uh, Evolution, whatever Ele- Elevation, yeah, Elevation. sure. Okay, all right, so you give him 10 minutes of time on Dynamite? Valuable real estate on Dynamite. You give him 10 minutes. And by the way, Ricky Starks wrestled uh, circles around him. He was not ready for that spotlight. He did not look good in that matchup. Why give this guy 10 minutes against Ricky Starks? And NXT, and then the promo before that, if you remember that, what did Ricky Starks said? Hey, last time we saw you, we saw you swimming with the fishes. And it's kind of like, I didn't get it when I was watching. I'm like, no. what does that mean? Oh, he was at NXT. So you're taking a shot at NXT. It's like, but you give this guy, you have at least 20 people in the back that wrestle on Dark and these YouTube shows that you could have gave him an opportunity. You take this NXT reject, you put him on your show, wasting my time for 10 minutes. The match wasn't even that good. So that's one issue. Well, one of the so one of the biggest complaints, obviously, about Dynamite is how inside it gets. If you're so inside to the point where we, who are like, I watch so much pro wrestling. I love pro wrestling. You know, I can't catch it all at all times, you know, like, so I miss this guy in NXT. If if I happen to catch NXT on occasion, doesn't happen all that often. But like, if you're so inside that Jay Hood, me, and I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe Broich knew who he was and he would have been the one of the three of us hosting the show. But like, that's way too inside. Like, we're not casual fans. Like just somebody turning on dynamite on Wednesday night going, who the hell is this guy? And how are they making these jokes? You're making your fans work way too hard with the lack of explanation. If even that's just 
suspending disbelief to the point of, okay, you've made the decision to put him on television. Okay, why are you putting him on television? You, you made zero effort and zero explanation as to why he was there. Okay, how about John Moxley and, and Yuta against the best friends? Now, I'm a big fan of Yuta, and I think that he's an upcoming star for this company along with John Moxley. We already mentioned, I think, as a show that we really like the uh, Black Blackpool Combat Club, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're a big fan of it. Okay, so on one match, what we see is we see two pile drivers on Yuta. And thank God that you had William Regal, who is the best color analyst on the, in that company, by the way, even though he only does like one match uh, a show. He explained, if you listen very closely, yep. we, work, we worked with Utah to be able to move his neck so he doesn't take the full impact of the pile driver. He had to explain how bad that was that Utah had to take two pile drivers and still stay in the match. Well, we, we work on him to make sure his neck does not get the full impact of the pile driver. That was brilliant on the part of Regal to explain how awful that was that you get two pile drivers and you kick out of two. Yeah. No, I did. And it was a decent match up to that point. And yeah, I love the BCC. They really haven't had much of a direction since Daniel Bryanson got hurt. Or Brian Danielson, excuse me. Until what's he got? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Daniel Bryan. There he is. Um, But they haven't. Ever since he got hurt, they really haven't had much of a direction. I know Mox is the interim champ, which, by the way, like. I've I, I'm I don't know if this made your notes, but I found it baffling that the interim champ. I now understand that that Eddie Kingston's his buddy, but like it's the first time I've seen the champion be used as like a backup singer as he comes in as one of the reinforcements at the end of the show. I just thought that was weird, you know. Like he's the champ, shouldn't he? Yeah. Shouldn't you act like he's the champ? Like he's a much bigger deal, and people love him. Like people love it when Moxley comes out, but like. Him coming in at the end of that barbed wire uh, everywhere match just didn't make a ton of sense to me either. I'm sure you will eventually get to that complaint amongst your long list of complaints last night from Dynamite, but you brought up the BCC, so I figured <laughs> that's Evan longer Cole. than the list of Jeff Cobb. That's an inside <laughs> joke, but that's longer than a list, your Jeff Cobb question list. Evan Cohen will love this yellow pad. He loves the yellow pad. <laughs> uh, this is all Dynamite, by the way. All of this is Dynamite. Um <sighs> No, okay, so as I said, I don't know if we'll get to two and three. I'm so pissed off that I wasted two hours on Wednesday, Gabe. I really am. Okay, and by the way, Chuck Taylor sucks. You ever you ever watch a match and you thought, man, that's Chuck Taylor, he's just so over. I mean, like, go back and watch that match. What did Chuck Taylor do that you're like, man, outside of a pile driver? Such yeah. a waste of space. He just, I don't get it. Okay, we learned on Dynamite from Duluth, uh, Duluth Georgia. <laughs> Okay, Jared. Uh, not, not Atlanta. <laughs> D- yeah, Duluth, Georgia. That Christian Cage is faster than Jungle Boy. You see him go up up the mm. up the stairs. Did you see that at the the afterbirth where Christian Cage is running away from Jungle Boy and Jungle Boy is having to run slower just so Christian Cage can get away. Jungle Boy was not supposed to catch Christian Cage, but Cage is so slow that Jungle Boy was like two or three steps below. Try, so he wouldn't catch up the, the Christian Cage. I love what it would could be a little bit of a switch switcheroo in the part of Luchasaurus. Maybe he is back with Jungle Boy. I don't know. I like that though. I I, I did like that. I, I would like them to explain a little bit more. I've been waiting for an explanation about why Luchasaurus. I mean, because I was at the show in Milwaukee when like Luchasaurus came out and was red hot at Christian Cage, and Christian Cage, you know, yells out. 
you remember what happened to Marco and all of a sudden he stops, but there hasn't been any explanation as to why Luchasaurus decided to align himself with Christian cage. So I'm, I I hope that we get some sort of explanation. I know they're not going to give him a microphone and let him cut a three to four minute promo as to why, (laughs) you know, but maybe, you know, jungle boy can have that explanation. If those two are indeed back together uh, and, and Luchasaurus is making heel and face turns quicker than the big show, but those two together makes a ton of sense to me. Um, it, It always has. Like, I think like, you, you don't have to break those two up in order for Jungle Boy to become a single star. I think they that's one thing that AEW has done, whereas we just talked about how Dawkins, you know, for whatever reason in WWE, for the most part, you have to break away. It's in the very limited examples, like when they did not make the New Day break up for Kofi Mania, and Kofi was right. champ, and they still had those guys. But for Big E, he couldn't be around the other two guys. They had to send him to a different brand when he became champion last year. So, you know, for the most part, that's what WWE does. But you look at, you know, you know Jericho was a part of a faction when he was champ. Uh, currently, the interim champ is part of a faction in AEW. So you don't have to break away from the group, your tag team partner, to have individual success in AEW. So I... I Personally, just as a fan of those two, I hope they are indeed back. And I am always excited to see Jungle Boy back because he is one of the bright young stars in AEW. I totally agree with that. Um, Because you're in the Atlanta area, it's Black Hollywood, so you're going to see Jermaine Dupree stop by. You're going to have Kevin Gates stop by. All right, cool. Okay, so this is where AEW is trying to be WWE light. And I'm so disappointed in this company because the things that you did not like that the WWE does over and over and over again, now you're implementing this in your company. So we have to have, for Swerve and Keith Lee, the championship celebration. Where have we heard that before, Gabe Neitzel? A championship celebration. <sighs> it's um, um, Wait, I think, have they done those in WWE? I think I've seen one or two of those previous. And then someone comes out to interrupt them. It never goes uninterrupted. I can tell you that right now. I mean, I mean, and I, when I saw that as a preview, I'm like, really? You can't do any better than a, a, a championship celebration for swerving, swerving my glory. Okay, great. So Kevin Gates is there. I know who Kevin Gates is. I just, I, I didn't know he was going to be at ringside. And, and so here is Tony Nese. And he's right there at ringside with smart Mark Sterling. Here's something I don't understand either. So why is there a petition for Swerve? Why, why is he going around the locker room asking for a petition to get rid of Swerve? Because that's just the, the dumbest storyline they've got going right now. Well, so you think that petition is going to get rid of half of the tag team champions because you don't want them around? Yeah. Pretty much. What does that mean? What's it for? What's the petition for? I to because he was. I can't even remember how it started. Like, I think he was unsafe or he did something to him months ago and it's been going on. It's I, honestly, when I see smart Mark Sterling, I kind of tune out in my own head. I'm like, okay, here's this guy. I really don't care. I've, I, I honestly kind of like tune out and stop listening. Wow. That's go away heat then. Then that's, that's not good either. No, <laughs> like, right, right. So it's a go away heat. So all I remember is Swerve threw Keith Lee over the top rope in a battle royal. Yep. And and they were not happy with one another. They're back together because they're tag team champions. But this whole thing, they should have dropped this weeks ago. But here's what I want to get to with you, and that is Kevin Gates. So Kevin Gates knocks Tony Nese on his ass with a like a one inch punch, knocks him yep. down. 
that's everywhere. It's all in the hip hop, you know, uh, magazines and, and uh, the websites and everything else, XXL, all these places. And that's great. But it's like you did that. You did that to Tony Nese. If you're going to do that, shouldn't you do that to somebody with some heat? Tony Nese has done pretty much nothing in AEW. So you punch him in the face for what? When we've seen celebrities knock out or mess with a, a superstar, usually that superstar has some heat. Dolph Ziggler comes to mind, who got knocked the on his ass. The Miz got knocked on his ass. Or Floyd Mayweather with brass knucks breaking the nose of the big show. At least he, he's someone. Who's Tony Nese? A guy that can work, but doesn't have like this supreme heat where it's like, yeah, I'm going to knock out Tony Nese. So you knocked out a guy that we see on Dark? Yeah. What, and, and Rampage? What, is that, what did that do for the company? It did a lot for the hip-hop community. What did it do for AEW? Didn't do anything for Swerving Our Glory. Like They became an afterthought in their own championship celebration. And, of course, the cake spot, because you got to have the cake spot. Well, I mean, naturally. I mean, there was a cake there, you know. <laughs> like, is, it, is there anything more it's obvious exactly. in pro wrestling? When you see a cake, you're like, well, somebody is going to end up with that in their face. Like, that's it's like the oldest pro wrestling trope that there is. Like, 99% of the table times you see a table get set up, someone's going to go through it, you know, every once in a while. But no, 100% of the time you see a cake, that cake's ended up in somebody's face. I love that. I love Gabe saying, oh, naturally. Cake spot, <laughs> of course. Naturally. You're right. It happens all the time. It's, it's as old as father time, the cake spot in wrestling. God almighty. And then, of course, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about Jericho and Kingston. What'd you think? So the match itself for a barbed wire match, and this is what AEW has, has done. Um, my issue with this is now we have had two blow-off type of matches in this feud. And I don't know if we're done. Like I honestly don't know if we're done. Because you would think that the feud would have been over after a blood and guts match. You know, their version of War Games. Well, nope, that wasn't it. Because Eddie Kingston, and they actually did a decent job of... In, 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 in real time, Eddie Kingston being pissed at Claudio Castagnoli for being the one who got the tap out because Eddie Kingston wanted to make Jericho tap out. So he still needed to get this match. Okay, that makes sense. He, he You know, Eddie Kingston's crazy. He wants to make sure he gets his revenge. It's not about the overall picture. It's very small picture with Eddie, sure. So they set up this barbed wire everywhere match. And the match itself, you know, I liked the fact that Eddie took, you know, Nice little touch having the barbed wire on Justin Roberts' microphone. So you start there and, and the barbed wire's everywhere. If, if if you're not a fan of barbed wire matches, you're not going to be. I thought this was a fun one until we got to the schmozzy finish. It was just overbooked beyond belief. And then for – and it's not that I have a problem with Eddie taking the loss. It's very quickly after taking the loss in a brutal match, recovering like that so he can throw Jericho through a bed of barbed wire. Like – in. The whole thing was overbooked. They tried to make both of them look good at the end by having Kingston take the loss, but then still stand tall at the end of Dynamite. So I don't know if the feud's over. I don't know if it's going to continue next week on Dynamite or not. It shouldn't because, again, I don't know how high, how much higher you go than barbed wire everywhere. So it's it's just disappointing because there was a lot of potential within the match. And then at the end... As they're, you know, JR is wishing everybody a good night from Atlanta, even though they were in Duluth. Um, uh -huh. You know, you're, you're just going, wait, what the hell just happened? 
Like I was, I was feeling good. I was feeling excited. And then, Oh, that ending was kind of meh. I, uh, I did not like that at all. I did not like it at all. And it's like, Hey, I've seen all kinds of different wrestling, you know, the barbed wire is supposed to be the blow off, but you make the great point of saying, well, it's the blow off, but, but is it really, it should be the blow off, but who knows? So here's the thing, and Vikram just chimed in with what my next point. Uh, never give Ty Conti a key to open up a lock. I mean, so you got the you got the Jericho Appreciation Society in a in a shark cage, which is dumb because if you're in a real shark cage in wrestling lore, that thing's hiked up thirty feet into the to the air. Usually, that is the case. It was not the case, and so Ty Conti has the key. She knocks out uh, Ruby Soho. And then she's got the key and she's trying and she's trying to open up this thing and open up the thing. And to the point where one of the guys from the, Je- from the Jericho society got pulled the lock over so he could unlock it. And on top of that, well, those plastic bars, because a couple of those guys went right oh, through them. Oh, they the just bars. went right through them. <laughs> they just That's went right. right through them. Well, because, oh. and, and she took so long, like, I do not blame a couple of those guys because, again, you're running to the end of television time. Like, you can't, like, all of this, you know, I, I, I really, I'm curious to know if anybody that is watching this show right now live, if you want to throw it in the chat, if you were there last night, or if you know if somebody was there, because I want to know what was going on in the ring. Because by the time they eventually got away from that, like there was a cover, but it didn't look like Aubrey Edwards was going for the count. Like it just looked like because they couldn't get that open, it threw off the timing of some stuff, which is why some of those guys are like, we just got to go beat the crap out of Eddie Kingston. Cause that's what we have to do right now. Screw it. I'm going through these bars. I mean, going through the bars, shark cage, something that you're not supposed to get out of. The thing is supposed to be 30 feet in the air, and it's right. It's very convenient for Ty Conti. And as soon as we heard that Ruby had the key, I'm like, there's going to be something here. Did we need the Anna J turn? I, I couldn't care less about that. All I know is that Ty Conti running down the ramp, and she knocks out Ruby, and she can't even open the lock, right? Sammy, and then, of course... So why you know, was Sammy Guevara not in the shark cage? Is he not a part of Jericho Appreciation Society? That's right. That's right. Why was he not in the shark cage? See? Now, if you're Eddie Kingston, you do the count, right? Like, okay, you, 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 you. Okay, where's Sammy Guevara? Come on down, Sammy, because you're part of this as well. And, and Sammy interferes. That's why it was just the shits. Okay? But I, just, I just think that that was just one of the worst things we've seen on Dynamite. Really, as far as a main event attraction, it was just, just overbooked. It just, it like, just, I, I'm sure this is a Jericho idea. Some of the stuff that they walked through, but the execution was just bad. Yeah, it. Yeah, the execution was terrible. Like again, like you can't. Again, when when everything is just when it needs to be timed out because of television, right? Like, and right. and you, I, I'm really curious what Eddie and Jericho were doing in the ring, trying to bide time so those guys could could come in. But again, and then. Like Blackpool Pool Combat Club, I thought was done with this because the 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 team elements was kind of done with blood and guts. But sure enough, here they still come out like John Moxley coming out to defend Eddie Kingston with you know Claudio Castanoli and and uh, Yuta and you, you see um, because Santana, you know they they've all got to come out and they're they're down a guy with uh, what they originally started this story with, so they have to borrow from the BCC. And that was the other thing that I mentioned before. Like, when's the last time you saw the heavyweight champion, the guy, top guy in a company, come down as backup? Uh, it doesn't happen very often, unless, but it only happens in this company. 
Page has done this, right? Hangman Page has done that. Coming yeah. down, that, you know, he's done that, but it doesn't happen often in other. Like you don't see this WWE, but, but, but if you, you come, AEW, I, I think it's different if like one guy is the champ comes down because he's still the champ and he's the star, right? Because that's this is the best we have to offer. This is our best guy, and you. But like to be lost in the shuffle of like four other people down there. I think that's that that's what caught me off because you should be elevating this guy and treating him, you know, and he was in a throwaway tag match last night and a throwaway end of the end of the show type thing where he comes out to try to save his buddy. Like that's a that's a bigger topic. Like the interim champion has been in the middle of the card several times. I understand it's interim. I get that. But um, Takeshita, I guess that was one match. And then this tag team match the other night in in, uh, on Dynamite. It's like. He's the interim champion. Is he not going to defend the championship? He's a heavyweight champion. Interim. Yep. Waiting for mm-hmm. CM Punk to get healthy. So, okay, whatever. I just, I, but obviously, I'm just very disappointed. Neophyte mark booking on the part of, of Tony Khan to allow this to happen. I, I'm, I'm sure he's fine with it. I'm sure. I don't. I did not see what the rating was for it. All I know is that it was that. And then, of course, on top of that, we get it. It's Shark Week. We get it. Every segment. Hey, that, that I can look past because, you know, you got to do what you got to do and you're a little unsure about your future with the company. Hey, we're team players. We'll play along. Whatever you guys want to do. Like, I can I can look past a lot of that given the unique situation of the merger going on within Warner Media and, like, the uncertainty of do these people like wrestling? Are they going to like AEW on there? So I, I can understand trying to play ball in the the way the monster that is Shark Week, which has honestly kind of jumped the shark in my opinion. Not to make a pun yes. about it, but like, of course I would. can understand. Of course, you'd, of course you'd make that pun. You're from Milwaukee, the home of the Fonz. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> but like I, I can understand playing along with a lot of that. You know, even even if I didn't understand the reason why you said swimming with the fishes, you know, to the guy who I even forgot his name at this point, um, you know, who was wrestling for the FTW championship. I know you've got it in your notes, uh, fighting Ricky Starks earlier in the show, you know, making that like, I understand all of that. I can certainly look past that, but it's, it's tough to look past some of the booking that happened in that championship match, but because not a championship match in that blow off match. Cause I think it had potential to be a lot of, you know, be a classic AEW type match where they've had these barbed wire, but they had the barbed wire death match, the exploding barbed wire death match that ended up being a dud because of the way it ended with Eddie Kingston and where he tried to go protect John Moxley because the pyro didn't go off. So it, it turned out to be not great. They recovered well from that, but this is another one that they just, it had opportunity. It had potential. And because of the ending, it's just meh kind of falls flat. Cole Carter. Cole Carter. That's his name. Shout out to Cole <laughs> Carter. He, he sucked too. Yeah, I, I, just, I, was, I was just disappointed. I just, it, it's just a bad dynamite. It just, it just was. From top to bottom, it was just was not one, what I thought it was going to be. There was one good thing. FTR's promo was awesome. Yes, it was. That was it. But that was it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah that which, that, which, by the way, then like also builds the excitement a little bit for, for Ring of Honor, I think. That was the most ring, uh, attention Ring of Honor got. They got some different backs, um, backstage segments in there as well. Uh, but FTR being out there to you know give the promo about his daughter and saying he's going to fight the Briscoes um, like an eight-year-old girl. 
was yeah. a fantastic line, which was, it was, it was fantastic. And man, those guys are so over and yeah. they just find a way to like, just when you think, Oh man, these guys are great. They find a way to just click it a little bit higher. Every time you see them, they're, they're just on such a heater right now. That was the only really positive thing I think out of dynamite last night. Yeah. Uh, Mike from New York, uh, the foul says that AW should stay away from barbed wire matches from now on. Uh, and asking us about the Darby match. Um, well, I mean, what's different than what we saw? I mean, with the Darby match, I mean, it was the kind of this kind of the same moves. He only got what about four percent of the offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it did put over his opponent in a big way. Yeah, Brody King got over certainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which and and they've been building the House of Black. I'm curious to see what they're doing there. Um, they, you know, they had uh, the Redeemer. You know, Miro is looks like he's he's next in line to be feuding with the House of Black, so that could be interesting. I'm I'm, I'm always excited to see something that they give Miro, um, and those should be good matches. It'll be interesting to see if they tell a good story. But the thing with yeah, the thing with the Darby match, it was just kind of there. Like it wasn't special. Yeah. It wasn't special. I mean, it was it was a decent. You know, like if it happens within the context of a really good show, like you're not really going to talk about it. It happened with the context of a really bad show, and obviously we didn't bring it up other than Mike just kind of mentioning it in the, in the chat. So he's good enough to beat Darby Allen, but not good enough to beat John Moxley. They did have a match, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Because Brody King won the, um, whatever they called the battle Royal when they had the two rings on rampage. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was fine. It was just there. Uh, but just the rest of it, I just think that a lot of it just superseded, uh, you know, the good on that show. So we'll turn the page on this, but that neophyte booker they got in Tony Khan has got to figure this out, man. You just, you just have to figure out the details, Gabe. Like don't waste my time. I don't want to waste my time. I'll watch raw for three hours. Seriously. Yeah. It's, they need to start booking towards all out. They've announced all out. They got the tickets sold for all out. You know, they need to start the build. You need to have, again, take, take, it seems like, you know, Hangman Page, as over as he was, he's just kind of wandering in the back, kind of hanging out with Dark Order. But Dark Order is also, they've lost a lot with, you know, in terms of wrestlers that they've lost and haven't renewed contracts. So now he, he made a save there. Uh, I think that was on Rampage on Friday night. Um, no, no you, you saw it on Dynamite. He, he saved. It was. Uh, oh, that yeah, was on Dynamite. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. The Butcher and the Blade were going after a couple of the guys from the, uh, from the Dark Order. Uh, Johnny Hungy. And uh, his tag team partner, his buddy. Yeah. Uh, and so, so, but he's. Be- I thought he's better than that. Like, yeah. In other, in, o- in other words, like Butcher and the Blade are going to be at some point baby faces or be part of that group of some sort because they're stale. Well, Butcher and the Blade, when they first came on the scene, I saw the Butcher. I'm like, golly, like that's a guy in the 1970s would have been making money. He would have been all over the television <laughs> with that look, those oh, yeah. chop must that, that that mustache, that look. He looks like a butcher. Like I said, that guy could be printing money back in the day. But um, but yeah, their act has gone stale too. And I understand they're kind of waiting with Adam Cole. I don't, who knows? Um, my guess is the reason why they haven't started any feud or build for Mox is maybe they're hoping that CM Punk can be back for All Out. I, I just, I guess I assume that Punk wouldn't be back in time for All Out. Um but that was, I guess that was just an assumption. Maybe they're holding out hope, but they need to start that build. I mean, it's going to be here. You know, you've got six weeks, six, seven weeks or so before all out is here. I think you need to start, start making that push. And 
hopefully it begins next week um, and, and they can bounce back from this show. We don't but, have Rowitz here to blow the whistle because we've gone too long. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I had to get it out, man. No, you had to, man. I can't tell <laughs> I can't wait till I go home tonight. Honey, you would not believe how upset Jay Hood was about Dynamite last night. He was fired up. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, well, we're going to stick with that company-ish. We'll go, we'll go AEW adjacent and we'll go to ROH. Death Before Dishonor is coming up on Saturday night. We're going to be checking it out. Um, Claudio Castagnoli is going to be challenging for the world championship of ROH against Jonathan Gresham. Should Claudio Castagnoli be the new Ring of Honor world champion? I say yes. I think that would be fine because now it's a name that you know. And I think you laid it out for us last week, Gabe, when you talked about the matches that um, – Claudio has been in where he deserves the opportunity here. I mean, so he's part of blood and guts and he had a great debut in Chicago where he was completely over uh, at the pay-per-view. He's had, had a good match against Jake, Jake Hager. So, I mean, I think that uh, for him to be ROH champion, it comes full circle for him, right? Because he was in ROH with the WWE and if he comes back as champion, I think it'd be great. I think this matchup is going to be very, very good. As a matter of fact, um, against Gresham. Now the Gresham thing's interesting. We saw a turn with him being part of Tully Blanchard enterprises, but once again, AEW has not done a good enough job to explain what Gresham is. I I've seen Gresham. Mm -hmm. He is a, he is a terrific Matt wrestler. He does things very similar to uh, Brian Danielson, in a lot of ways in which He's able to beat you in a number of different ways. He doesn't have a finish. He just beats you, and which I really like. It's very unique for today's marketplace. But I think that Claudio as a champion, I think you could tell a great story there. I'm, I'm going to just ask a general question about this pay-per-view because I, I, I am excited to see it. Like I, I'm, like I think the matches, they've got six matches listed, one on the pre-show, which will be Allison Kay versus Willow Nightingale. That's the only non-title match. They have Claudio Castagnoli versus Jonathan Gresham, and they have Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal. World Championship is above the TV title, right? Well, it's supposed to be. Why does it feel like the TV title is going to main event this thing? Because they've been build, they've been building Lethal versus Joe for a while, and Castagnoli showed up on Rampage on Friday, and now he's getting the title shot. And they I, they barely mentioned that that match is going to be happening last night on Dynamite. How about this? What if I told you that FTR and the Briscoe should be the main? Oh, it should be. Absolutely should be, without a doubt. I mean, FTR is the most. If if we're talking about you want to send that crowd home happy, you want to send a crowd home hot. I mean, you put FTR on last. They're the most over on the card. I mean, I, I know that's not how Tony Khan books it, and I get the philosophy of having the heavyweight championship match be last, uh, but I've seen Vince put the heavyweight championship up first, and then whatever the hottest feud is, put it last. I've seen him do that before. That's not a problem. As long as you're on the card, it really doesn't matter. But I, I think uh, FTR and the Briscoes should uh, – two out of three falls? Yeah. They're going to try to top a match of the year candidate already. Okay, let's see how that works. I mean, it's, right. already, is, it's already a banger, right? Yeah. Yep. Sign me up. Yeah, so cool. Like, that should be the main. Because I don't know. So I don't know how they, how anyone else in that company, in the ROH, is going to beat that tag team match. That's fine. 
But I think Claudio as the heavyweight champion, though, I think that would work. And this is no shade of Gresham. I just think that Claudio's on a hot streak. I, could you imagine the matchups that he could have? We mm-hmm. probably could see Claudio and Samoa Joe at some point. But you're right. The Joe thing has been built up a lot because Joe hasn't been around. So Jay Lethal and that group has been able to kind of talk, try to talk this match up in a big way. So if Claudio does indeed win, does Brian Danielson need a championship? Because he'd be the only BCC member without a belt. Because you got <laughs> Wheeler's the pure, Claudio yeah. as the world champion of ROH, interim champ, John Moxley. Brian Danielson would need one, right? Well, you would think so. Or, because he's counterculture, I don't need a belt to be over. I am over. And, of course, if he gets a belt, he won't want, he won't want it because it's leather. So he'd want he, – because he's against cowhide and it gets leather. So you remember this, this gimmick, right? That, that, dude, I'm not going to lie. Low-key, like the hemp WWE championship belt that he had. Yeah. I loved it. Like it was like I, I loved the gimmick. He just owned it so hard and made that special championship. It was fantastic. It was tremendous. It's a great gimmick. If he, doesn't have, if he has a championship, they're going to change it into hemp. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I mean, and I love it for Regal. I love it for Regal because he's with the group that matters, man. Yeah. I mean, he just, just, he's never at ringside. He's there on the mic, but he provides so much color and so much. Just context and depth to this. Like, because if, if the lack of storytelling is the biggest criticism of AEW, he provides that for the four guys in BCC when he's out there on the commentary booth, because he's yeah. just so smart. Like you mentioned, when he mentioned the, 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 uh, um, you know, like during Wheeler Yuta's during the pile driver thing with Wheeler Yuta during dynamite. And he's just like, Oh, this is why he was able to kick out. This is why this happens. Oh. And when him and Taz like start talking about the technical, like, Oh yeah, this is a great hold. And here's why it's a great hold. It, it just, it educates fans. I love it. And, and when he's on the mic and I love all the guys in BCC. So it's usually the highlight of rampage or dynamite, whenever it happens. Uh, let's go ahead because we, we are running up a little against it. Our last one, Number three in the three counts. We move on as the final match for Ric Flair has finally been announced. We finally know what the matchup is going to be the day after SummerSlam in Nashville. It's going to be Ric Flair and his son-in-law, Andrade. They're going to be taking on the tag team of a guy we just mentioned, Jay Lethal, and somebody we mentioned earlier, Jeff Jarrett. So if you if you want to look at it this way, you could look at it as Ric Flair plus AEW plus WWE plus ROH. That's what we're looking at on this card. It's unique. I'm, I think it's wild that like Jeff Jarrett is doing something for WWE on Saturday, one of their biggest shows of the year, and then turning around and wrestling on Sunday in a match with guys who are under contract with the competition of WWE. It's kind of like an indie worker going to two or three shows within the same weekend, right? I mean, first of all, hats off to Vince McMahon for allowing this to happen. I mean, Jeff Jarrett right now is working in the front office of WWE for uh, house shows, for events. I think that – I forgot the name of his actual title, but uh, he just got the job recently. And maybe it's one of these things where Jeff told the company, like, I have a list of things I got to do before I can be with you full-time, and this is one of them being part of Ric Flair's last match. Okay, so – for, for those that don't know, Ric Flair is my favorite wrestler. And um, and the reason why is because he walked it and talked it. He was exactly who he was. 
the suits uh, from um, Michaels from Kansas City. I do remember those promos. I got my suits from Michaels from Kansas City. Like he, so he talk about that. The the Gator shoes, the five thousand dollars shoes, the Rolex watch, the personal plane. He lived the gimmick, Gabe. It's not one of these things where it was made by writers in the back at SmackDown. He actually lived the gimmick and paid the price for it, right? And so as the end of, as a traveling NWA champion, he made the business better. He wasn't just the company champion, just in the Northeast like Bruno. Shout out to Bruno and his 4,000-day reign <laughs> wrestling in Boston, Philly, and New York. Uh, but Rick was all over the NWA loop and all over the country and in Puerto Rico and in Mexico and Japan and all points in between trying to make the business better. Not just for himself, but the business better because he was the heel. He was bleeding every night, right? He got his ass whooped every night against just random people in different territories. So uh, he always will have a soft spot in my heart as a wrestling fan. And to see him in his last match, I'm glad it's a tag team match and not a single. I was concerned about that. And I don't know if you saw the video and the build for this, but this man is bleeding over, over, you know, all over his suit. And he's 73 just to get this match over. Crazy. So you're 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 gonna buy this pay per view, right? You're gonna buy this event. You're gonna see Ric Flair's last match. Of course, of course, okay. and it's it's not even about that match as much as I think that Conrad Thompson put together a really nice card for Starcast. I think he did. I think that the the card's gonna be good. Is Rick the main event? Yes, it's about him. But I think that a lot of matches underneath will work. I'm you know what I'm interested in. Just it's a Jim Crocker promotions, um, you know, Starcast event. What's the camera work going to look like, right? How's it going to look? You know, what's the lighting going to look like? Will it look like a dark NWA indie show, uh, as Brian talked about uh, <laughs> when, when he was on the NWA show? Or will this be a really nice, you know, nice production? And will, how will it work out? Because Conrad Thompson's never been a, um, a promoter before. So let's see how this is all going to look. Because look, I'll cover it, and we'll talk about it on the show next week. Yeah, we most certainly will, because again, that's going to be July 31st in Nashville as well, where SummerSlam is going to be taking place. We move on and talk about some of the news and notes around the world of professional wrestling, where once again, we see mainstream sports and WWE combining as the ESPYs were last night. Cody ends up winning WWE Moment of the Year for his surprise return at WrestleMania. I mean, he was up against like Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I was actually surprised because it's like a fan vote thing that Cody ended up winning this award because anytime you see SCSA, sorry, man, Stone Cold's going to win it. Yet it was, it was great, Cody, to see your return, but Stone Cold returning and drinking a couple of Steve Weisers and stunning everybody. But it wasn't. It was Cody who ended up victorious. So what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> there he is, Cody Rhodes. But just to, just to take a couple of steps back on that, think about this, Gabe. It's an AEW guy, and he's getting all this acclaim from everyone. Think about this. He comes from AEW where he's like, you know what? It's just time to leave the territory. It's time to do something new. Now I can be, have, be able to have full autonomy of my character. I get my music. I can get my robe. You know, I could be able to say belt instead of championship. All the stuff they had in AEW, he brought over to the WWE. And look at the acclaim that he's getting. That's quite a story for him to be able to get that uh, that award for the ESPYs. When you have a whole bunch of guys like Roman Reigns in there or, you know, or, or, or Brock Lesnar, you know, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, as you mentioned, for him to return. 
just to have this match against Kevin Owens and also him being a part of WrestleMania was cool. But Cody gets that uh, that award. That says a lot about Cody Rhodes, doesn't it? I think it really does. And again, by the hope, hopefully by the time he gets back, we actually have two separate champions because I have a hard time seeing Vince allowing Cody go over Roman Reigns before next WrestleMania, or maybe even wrestle him at WrestleMania. But I can see Cody being Cody's the next biggest star in that company. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's particularly close. Take that as you will, but like Roman Reigns is number one. And I think Cody's number two. Ooh, you're going to get a lot of heat from WWE fans on that, on that comment a lot. Cause again, you're going to get the Beck, you're going to get the, the Becky stands and you're going to get the Bianca stands and there's, they're not going to be happy with you. The Brock stands. They're not going to be happy with that. Comment, yeah, that's man. fine. That's fine. And, and, hey, I love I love uh, Becky Lynch as well. We share a birthday, but hey, like it's. Uh, I thought you'd I thought you'd enjoy that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I found that out a couple years ago. Oh, Becky Lynch and I share a birthday. Cool. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, I, and I'm looking forward to Becky and Bel Air. I think it's going to be great. But again, for for Cody Rhodes to win this award, that's voted on by fans when you had those other wrestlers up for it, to me speaks volumes. And who knows if WWE listens to that or if they decide, yeah, that was six months ago. We don't care. It'll be interesting to see what they do when he, whenever he returns uh, from his torn pectoral. Speaking of returns, whispers, rumors, Kenny Omega inching closer to a return. They're hoping he's back for all out. And potentially when he comes back, Part of the reason why we just saw the tag team titles change hands from the Young Bucks is mm-hmm. because Trio's titles could be debuting with AEW. Because the one thing that AEW needs, Jay Hood, is more championship opportunities. Oh, great. More championships. Great. Whatever they want to do. I'm, I'm just more focused on Kenny Omega and whether or not he's going to be an all-out or not. Uh, does he make an appearance? Does he wrestle? I don't know. They, I'm hearing that he's getting healthier. But as far as the championships are concerned, look, you have a big enough roster to have championships, and you can put a title on anybody you want. But who's over? That's the question. You put a title on someone, are they over? Really? I mean, that, that, that's the question, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's how I look at it. Like, yeah, bring trios titles and have – all the championships you want, but the question is, who's over? It's not about championships. It's trying to build talent Man. and build stories. Now I want to go through the cotton. Like I want to go through the drill of all the champions and all the promotions to see if they're over. But we're way late. That might be an idea for next week. Like of these champions, who's actually over with their respective audiences? I think that would be a fascinating exercise. Maybe we should do that next week, um, especially after there are some potential changes in ring of honor uh, this weekend with death before, before dishonor. All right, before we get out of here, I know we were uh, really negative there for a while. Cause well, that might, wasn't great, but what was your best match for the past week? What was the match you enjoyed watching the most? Uh, you first. So I, I go back to raw and, and again, raw can be tough to slog through sometimes. And I, I understand that Montez Ford's probably going to be the breakaway star, but I mean, the match that, we saw with uh, Jimmy Uso and going up against Dawkins. Like I thought that was a great match. Yes. It was kind of a wonky finish because that's what they were doing to tell the story where the shoulder was up and the referee was out, but you know, both guys had opportunities when the ref was out, they wanted the guy to be counting. It was, 
both those guys can just go, man. Watching the Usos go is fun. Like the Usos have all these great tag team rivalries because they can wrestle. And the Street Profits, both of them, I understand Ford's probably going to be the one who gets pushed to the moon by Vince, but yeah. both of them can go, man. And I hope D'Angelo, um, you know, doesn't get forgotten here in, in you know, in, in the aftermath, whenever that split happens, because damn, he was fun to watch on Monday night. Someone's got to be Robert Gibson. Someone's got to be Ricky Morton, brother. Yeah. Ricky Morton is one that's over. Someone's got to be Jim Neidhart. Someone's got to be Bret Hart. Yeah, I'm just I, I said, like, it, it's the, the way it, Hey, I understand that's the way it goes, but it just makes me a little bit sad because it was a lot of fun watching him go. And because you know what's going to happen to him. Because mm-hmm. look, watching SmackDown last week, I was just so sad watching the New Day. Like this is the the new days yeah. coming out just as and I understand they can they can do both right like they're very talented they can do the comedy gimmick if you need them to do the comic comedy they can be the serious tag team champs if that's the if that's what you want them to do and they came out with the comedy thing and and they're in this feud with the with the Viking Raiders and my guess is they're trying to get the Raiders over right now because they're being presenting them as more serious last time we saw them they were very much a comedy act but now they're trying to get them over as more serious and and maybe that's what the new day is doing but it just it's like, man, these guys are so good. And Kofi was champ not that long ago. And and Xavier Woods got his moment in the sun when he was king of the ring, which is something he really wanted to do. And now we're out here in fake beards and plastic shields. <laughs> I saw it. It's like, okay, that makes the kids happy. That doesn't sound like TV 14 to me. Well, what do I know? All right. What was what was your favorite match? I, I tried to be positive and then I end up going negative with being like depressed about <laughs> the new day and SmackDown last week. What was your best match from this past week? You know what, my friend? It was Slim Pickens. But I Yeah, was it was tough. tough. It was tough, but you know what though? You know what, Gabe? I like a, a look into the future in SmackDown. I did like uh, Madcap Moss against Theory. It was good. It was good. It, mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't last like as long as I would have liked. And, I, you know, it wasn't great with the finish, but it's SmackDown. Not surprised. But I liked how that was billed by McAfee and Cole. Looking into the future, I thought they had some good, some good action. And my, my hope is, is that they rest, keep wrestling. They have a program at some point so we can be able to see the best of them. Because on that, you know, Madcap and Theory, when we were young, it's not a DVD, but that's special. We yeah. can look back at some of their early matches because in ten, in five years, I know they really – the company feels good about Moss. I don't expect him to leave the company. He'll have a different name. It won't be Madcap Moss because that's stupid. Uh, but I think that in five or ten years, why can't these guys be main eventers? How come we can't look at them in a big feud? So I like the little glimpse into the future with those two. It's amazing how much just taking the suspenders off of Moss like has made me – actually like him like when he was doing the comedy gimmick and he's pulling out the suspenders and he's making the jokes yes. as the sidekick to happy Corbin. It's yeah. like, man, I don't know how this guy's going to ever get over, but you're right. You like, that was the one thing on SmackDown. You're going, Oh yeah, this guy, this guy could get over. Like this is, this is, I see the potential. I see what they potentially like in him. And that was certainly a good fun match to watch on SmackDown. Um, but yeah, it was kind of slim pickings this week. That wasn't uh, was. always great. That will do uh, so, it. Well, I'm yeah, sorry, what you got? I, I was, was going to say, I don't see any other news uh, that we can share. I, it, the Briscoes are officially with ROH. They signed. Yeah, I, I did. I saw that. They've got some sort of long-term deal with ROH. So whatever happens, they're, they're going to be with ROH. Um, I, and, and just based on the way that they have not appeared on AEW television, for the most part, 
I would expect it to stay that way. Like, I don't expect them, even if, let's say they win the two out of three on Saturday, I don't expect them to show up on Dynamite on Wednesday. I expect them just to be strictly ROH, and whether that's through a streaming service or whatever they end up, or if, or if it's just wrestling four shows a year for ROH on the pay-per-views that they end up doing. Who knows what they end up doing? Um, but it seems to me that they're strictly ROH, and they're not going to cross over to AEW at all. All right, we got through the show without Broich. We did. I, I, yeah, crazy. Yeah, we somehow made it. Broich will be back next week. I guess he didn't come in for the last, you know, part of the show. That like Jr. just kind of slides in. So sorry for that. You know, miss. Hello. <laughs> for the misdirection there. But if you're a, a big Broich stand, he will be back next week again. You can tune into GKW every single Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll catch you next time on GKW. What channel's impact?